welcome to Food Friday here on the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast, where we dish out food topics, recipes, and answer your questions related to food, food prep, and nutrition. Find our recipes and tips on our website at huntharvesthealth.com. So today's Food Friday is not going to be about food. I'm going to call this Food for Thought Friday. (laughs) And the reason for that is, as you well know, uh, Train to Hunt has come to a close last month and hunting season's getting close. And that means that those of us out there who don't hunt and live with hunters are back to that time of year when we may be having issues or problems with us and tends to be the wives, those of us who are left at home with the responsibilities and the children and our jobs, etc. And um, when we first started this platform, probably back in January, February, I wrote a blog. And it's a, it's a pretty long blog. It's, and I decided that I was going to record it because I know a lot of people uh, prefer to listen to audio. And so I recorded it and put it on the website. Uh, from that blog that I did, I got so much feedback from uh, women, from wives, from girlfriends, and I got a lot of feedback from husbands. And um, I've had a lot of listeners tell me that that blog is the reason that they were able to get their wives to listen to our podcast, which is very exciting for me because that was always my goal was to have everybody within the relationship and within the family listening and um, sharing, you know, if they're sharing the same experiences that I've had, that they could be feel like they're part of this. And so um, I, I had one experience uh, at the at the last train to hunt that I went at uh, went to in Oregon in May. And uh, since then, I've had a few other requests to put this uh, recording on the podcast. Uh, the, the event that I had in Oregon was, uh, I've talked about it several times in other podcasts, uh, at the end of the uh, event, at the end of the day, we all had a kind of like an assembly where we got our results. And before we got them, every, a bunch of people got up and talked about how train to hunt has changed their life. And I got up and talked and, and I got up and talked because I really wanted to share with everybody there um, how they had changed my life and, uh, that I really felt that all hunters were kind of barbarians. And I, I just didn't, um, I just didn't see them in a great light. And even though I had been living with a hunter for 20 years. And so I shared my story and a number of other people shared their stories. And then afterwards, um, I had a, I had a a competitor, a guy come up to me afterwards and I knew him from the racing and stuff, but, uh, he came up to me and he just had tears in his eyes really. And he said, you know, he wanted to thank me for what I had said and, uh, and that he he just felt so compelled um, about my story because he felt like it was his story and his wife's story, and that he wanted his wife and his daughters to be part of this event with him and to share this with him and to meet people like us, and and um, they didn't come and partly because his wife doesn't understand it and she doesn't understand hunting. And, you know, we didn't really get deep into the reasons why, but the look on his face, the sound of his voice, it just, it just brought so much home for me um, that, you know, 
I can completely understand where his wife is coming from. But in that moment, it made me realize how important this is for the husband and or for this for the spouse who is hunting and who has that and wants so badly for their partner to understand them. And uh, it just it just so touched me and made me realize that there's probably millions of uh, couples out there who, who might be struggling with this situation. And I have to say, um, this doesn't only apply to hunting. I use hunting because that's what Ryan loves to do. And that's been the challenge in our marriage. But there's, you know, a lot of you out there who have hobbies that you absolutely love and you have to do them for your health and Maybe you're a significant other or even other family members in your life. They just don't understand it. And it causes a lot of strife and a lot of turmoil. So I came at this question, not from, uh, you know, blaming or looking at what Ryan was doing wrong, or I came at it from myself. And I came at it from possibly, you know, the questions that I needed to ask myself in order to determine if what Ryan was doing was really at the core, you know, a very, a big problem for me. And so within this um, audio, you'll hear some questions that kind of brought me to the place that I am now um, with with this challenge that we've had in our marriage. So I hope you enjoy uh, this audio and feel free to reach out to me like so many of you have done um, and let me know what you think. But it's a food for thought Friday, give you something to think about since hunting season is coming and just for both sides to remember that there's always two sides to a story and that sometimes it's not the other person that you need to look at. It's yourself that you need to look at. And so, uh, all right, um, we'll go into this. It's my husband's mistress coming to grips with loving a hunter. The mistress who stole my husband. My Reflection on Coming to Grips with Loving a Hunter This is a long blog. Really, it's a story. One that has taken me nearly 20 years to write. If you don't have a relationship in your life, then this story may not interest you. But if you love, are, or know anyone who has a passion greater than most, you may get something from it. It wasn't an easy story to live or write about. It's not easy to share our flaws, our secrets, our fears. Relationships, especially marriages, usually always have something to teach us. My teacher was coming to love a man who loves hunting, and through that, realizing that I didn't need to make him choose. He could love both of us. I met Ryan in Alaska as a fly fishing guide. He spent all of his days on the rivers of the Bristol Bay region, and for the first seven years of our relationship, he returned there and Russia to live the dream job. He also had a passion for mule deer hunting, and each October, the males in his immediate family would pack up and head out to the generational hunting spot, far away from civilization and nowhere near a phone. For seven days, he would again disappear into the wilderness, and most years return with a deer that would feed us for the rest of the year. Nearly every year during hunting season, a fight would erupt in our household. Ryan would leave, I would again be alone, and when he returned successful, it seemed I could do nothing but be mad and unsupportive. I didn't want to hear his stories, and in most cases, I wouldn't even look at the animal. 
As the years went on, his interest spread to archery, and hunting season became longer and longer. When we had our first child, it seemed to get worse. While I was pregnant with her, I began to have early contractions, and while on the way to the hospital, Ryan decided to tell me he had killed a bear the week before. Just two days before, I had been in Montana at a baby shower my mother's friends had thrown for me. During the party, a mama bear and two cubs appeared in her yard eating birdseed and sunning themselves on her porch. Everyone kept saying, it was such a good sign. That same day flying home, I started not feeling well, and once I heard Ryan had killed a bear, I went into a hormonal frenzy that it was his fault this was happening. Ryan couldn't win for losing, but no matter what, I said, he wasn't going to give up hunting. I didn't grow up hunting, but I had a stepdad who did when I was a teenager, and growing up in Montana, hunting season consisted of pickup trucks with guns in the windows and racks spread on the hood. We helped to cut up the elk my stepdad would get, and in my time in Alaska, sectioning out and harvesting moose meat for clients was common. Truthfully, none of that ever bothered me. I remember volunteering to pluck a chicken that we had killed in biology class, and with a keen interest in science, squeamishness wasn't a quality I had. But I also knew killing wasn't for me. I liked to study or dissect once it was dead, but taking the life just wasn't in me. When it came to our relationship, I loved everything related to the outdoors, except hunting. I challenged myself with skiing with Ryan as my patient instructor and came to love it. I traveled hundreds of miles with a pack on my back with him in the summers, hiking, camping, fly fishing, and rock climbing the mountains of the North Cascades. We traveled on mountain bike trails and ventured out into the waters of Puget Sound salmon fishing. I loved the outdoors as much as him, but every fall, my hatred for hunting seemed to take over, and unfortunately for him, it was a fight without end. One late night, nearly 17 years into our marriage, Ryan had had it with my unsupportive bantering and basically told me, take it or leave it. This was part of him, and he wasn't going to give it up for anyone. He had spent those 17 years quietly tiptoeing around me with the subject. He began rarely talking about it with me, and when he did, I admit, I didn't listen. That night when he gave me the ultimatum, I had a coming-to-Jesus moment. For it was time for me to get to the core reason I resented hunting, especially if I wanted to keep my marriage. After a few moments, it became all so clear. The answer was so obvious. An old wound, buried, buried 15 years in the past, was staring me straight in the face. Hunting wins. In 1997, Ryan and I were married in June. Two weeks later, he left for Alaska and Russia to work. During that summer, I was lucky enough to see him for a week when I flew to Alaska. But other than that, I was home, waiting for handwritten letters and two-minute satellite, satellite phone calls. I was living with his parents at the time, staying in his old bedroom so that we could save money for a house. I was newly married, but living alone. Finally, October arrived, and Ryan flew in at 4 a.m. in the morning from Anchorage. As you can imagine, it was wonderful, for I hadn't seen him in months. That first night, however, I was informed that the next day was the first day of mule deer season, and I knew all too well what that meant. He would be leaving the next morning to venture into the mountains for a week, gone again. After him being home just 12 hours, this was too much to bear. He left in the darkness of the morning, 
telling me he would be home for sure on a certain date. I was so mad and hurt, but he left anyways. Again, I was left to deal with my emotions. For those of you who can remember, we didn't have cell phones that worked well, and there was no way to communicate from the backcountry. When he left, he was gone till he arrived home. A week later, he did not arrive on the day he promised. The weather had made it impossible for him to get out on time. And two days after, he showed up hanging his head and apologizing. I had barely eaten that week and was in a deep depression. I was pretty sure I had made the biggest mistake of my life, marrying someone who was so selfish and wanted to hunt more than spend time with me. After listening to him plead his case, I decided to forget and move on. But the truth was, I never forgave. The Mistress in My Life Seventeen years later, as I was sitting in the dark, all the emotions of that moment flooded back. I remember the feeling of being left. I remember the pain of feeling like I didn't matter as much as hunting. And in that moment, I realized hunting was the mistress that would always win. Her pull and power was greater than any plea I could give. So I learned to hate even the thought of her and made it my subconscious mission to make his and her life hell. I believe from that moment in 1997, I never gave hunting a chance. Looking back, I understand that we were very young, that, that Ryan had only been married one summer, and for most of it, we hadn't been together. He didn't understand the compromise of marriage yet, and he couldn't fight the pull of the hunt. Men had been doing it for generations in his family, so why should he be any different? I was also an idealistic young woman. I came from a broken home, two dads, and I had always promised myself I wasn't going to settle for someone who mistreated me, quote unquote. Whoever was lucky enough to get me needed to treat me like a queen, and if that meant giving up what they loved, well then, so be it. We both had our faults, and were only thinking of, our, of ourselves, which makes for a rocky start to an already difficult situation. When I came to that realization, there was one truth that hit me. Ryan is who he is at his core. Of course, when you spend 20 years together, you change. Things happen. Life isn't perfect. You make mistakes. Hopefully, you forgive and you grow. But if you can't love who that person is at their core, it's never going to work. From the time women are little girls, we are told that we need a man. But when that man isn't around at our beck and call, we become despondent. We see things like hunting as non-essential activities and don't understand the bonding between some man and nature that is essential for health. We don't see a happier man who provides meat and saves us money at the grocery store as fashionable. We believe we should be attached at the hip and that killing is barbaric and non-evolved. We see a relationship other than ours being important, and if we are wounded or have lo low self-esteem, we see it as neglect. I can only say these things because I felt them all myself. It's a lifestyle, not a hobby. The wild and the outdoors is the piece of Ryan that makes him such an amazing, calm, and healthy person. It's what makes him a great husband, a wonderful father, and a successful provider. If I made him give that up for me, just because I couldn't forget the hurt of one incident that happened when we were kids, and I don't understand his need our life together would be miserable. You may be saying, geez, this is so dramatic, but I know there are thousands, if not millions, of couples who battle with the same dilemma. They just never talk about it. 
It's common for us to talk with young men who love hunting, who express how hard it is for their girlfriend or wife to understand, and it causes a lot of stress in their relationship. I hear from younger women how they resent being left home alone with the children, the housework, and a job, while their man leaves to do their hobby, quote-unquote. I've made that mistake many times, calling it a hobby, because it's really a lifestyle for Ryan and our family. He sees it as an integral part of who he is, a necessity. Hobbies are enjoyable, but not necessity. Again, another reason we could not see eye to eye. The six questions I had to answer, and perhaps you do too. Now that I've shared this very personal story, I think it's important to give helpful tools for those who may be navigating these same hurdles in their relationship. Self-reflection is a powerful way to assess what is truth and what is a story we are playing in our heads. Here are the questions I asked myself that night that changed the way I related to hunting and Ryan forever. Number one, am I truly against the killing of an animal? As I stated before, my answer to this would be no, but it was the common reason I gave for my attitude. I knew Ryan humanely killed these animals, he worked tirelessly to harvest them, and he greatly respected them more than most non-hunters I knew. I prepared and ate the meat without complaint, and I was happy I wasn't spending hundreds a month on meat at the grocery store. For some years, when I was a yoga teacher, I struggled with the philosophy of taking a life, and always was nervous when my lefty friends would come over and see animal heads on the wall. It took me many years to accept these parts of the hunt, but I've slowly realized I'm okay with it. If you ask yourself the above question, and it's yes, then my recommendation would be, don't be involved in a romantic relationship with a hunter. It's one core piece of hunting that cannot be avoided. Number two, does he love hunting more than me? Humans are strangely wired creatures. There is a great amount of jealousy that we can muster if needed. My jealousy and pain of that earlier situation tricked me into believing he loved hunting more than me. This question requires us to look at our deeper needs and desires. Ryan could have said many a time that I love school more than him because for years it took much of my time away from him. Of course I didn't love school more than him, but there was something about school that was changing me, improving me, and breaking me down so that I could respect hardship and grow. The same was true for Ryan and his backcountry adventures. We were not choosing one over the other. We were involved in events that were making us better people. Ryan can love me and hunting. It doesn't have to be a competition. Number three, am I fearful of being alone? Ryan and I were never attached at the hip. If you listen to our first Hunt Harvest Health podcast, you will hear more of our backstory. Truth be told, we have spent more time apart in the last 22 years than we have spent together. I think this question depends on each person's situation. I really never had a hard time being alone because I liked being able to do what I wanted. Ryan had full trust in me and I in him, but I was fearful of being alone left alone because it meant that I didn't have a partner who was experiencing everything with me. I've missed a lot of Ryan's life. He's missed a lot of mine. And the fear that missing those things can make him no longer love me is where I concocted the mistress in my mind. After coming to grips with this fear, I realized that I was able to enjoy my time alone and that my husband was trusting me to live my life separately of him. Number four, 
Would I want Ryan to give up hunting for me? Well, this question was pretty easy. No. The only reason Ryan wouldn't hunt is if I forced him to stop, which wouldn't work, or he was disabled in some way. And both scenarios would mean that a piece of him would be gone. It's in his DNA. Just because the urbanization of thought has led most to to the belief that hunting is non-essential, I know, I have known for 22 years, it is essential to Ryan. The common thought is, if someone loves you enough, they will give up anything for you. This thought is what perpetuates the anger, resentment, and self-loathing when some someone doesn't give you what you want and creates a whole lot of miscommunication in relationships. I want to be who I am, to have a partner who supports me, and doesn't make me give up things to be with them, which means I have to show him the same respect. If that's part of your requirement, then my guess, it will never work out in the end. Number five. Is Ryan's hunting a healthy outlet? For his health and our family's health, yes. His hunting lifestyle is not destructive, abusive, or an addictive behavior and choice that is destroying our family and sending us to treatment, bankruptcy, or creating poor health. In fact, it is the opposite. Ryan doesn't drink likely because he cares and wants long-term health. We eat healthy meat. He is active and outdoors and can teach our children the lost art of tracking, harvesting plants, hunting, and survival. He comes home from all trips, tired of body, but with peace of mind and a spring in his spirit. He is happier, focused, and loving. I will admit, my behavior towards him for many years when he returned successful and happy, wanting to share the story, was awful. It makes me sad that he had to experience those moments just as it made him sad to think of me upset and hurt. Changing my outlook has improved our relationship by removing an unneeded stress. And lastly, number six. Do I want to be with Ryan and can I accept who he is? Let's get real and down to it. People stay together for all kinds of reasons. Love, money, necessity, children, religion, etc., etc., etc. I was a product of divorce, and I know I would never want my children to go through that. But I also wouldn't want to be with someone I didn't love, respect, and couldn't grow with. This is the question that really is asking, can I accept this person at their core? From day one, Ryan had an energy about him. I couldn't resist. His love for nature and the outdoors was one of the reasons I fell in love with him. He was never good at communicating, and I over-communicated. He worked hard, didn't complain, and for many years lived through tons of stress so that I could achieve my dreams. He taught me patience, to forgive, to be quieter, to be calmer. We created two amazing children and have come to where we are today, sharing all of this with you because we knew we wanted to be together. If you can't say these things about your partner and you struggle with your lifestyle, choices, and behaviors, and working on it hasn't helped, then perhaps it's time to move on. Accepting them at their core and being content with that decision is the most essential of all these questions. I accepted Ryan that night for who he was and what he meant to me, And in that moment, I finally forgave him and everything changed. The mistress has left. I haven't shared this story with very many people. It's a personal journey that I've had to go through to be here. 
writing this blog, promoting the sport of backcountry hunting and all the hardships and benefits it has brought to my life. I don't have it in me to kill, but I respect those who do, for it's part of the cycle of life. My goal with this story would be to help other women who struggle with hunting or any other lifestyle that takes their partners away from them, because honestly, we don't hear from them left at home very often. The mistress has left our house for good, and it's possible for her to leave yours too, if you're willing to do some deeper reflection. Ladies, find joy in your interests, the time you get alone, the time you get to be with your children, the moments you get to experience and the happiness and sharing when your partner returns to you. Men, communicate more, listen more, be open to criticism and discomfort, and encourage your partner to fo- partner to fulfill their passions as well. Put yourself in their shoes. And if you want support, encouragement, respect, and trust, do the same for them. Who knows? If you're lucky enough, perhaps you will find a hunting partner out of it. I know Ryan is still hopeful. And as I've learned in this relationship, nothing is impossible. <laughs>